The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I don't have any particular thoughts this morning to share with you, so I'd like to hear from you. What's happening for you? I have a few um, diverse things. One is the exercise that we did last night, the mindfulness out loud. I find it a coarse kind of exercise. My experience of physical phenomenon or hearing or emotional thing has sort of um, an effervescent quality. It's more as if it were a very intricate pointillist picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a broad stroke kind of thing. It's when I settle down, it's, it's almost like music. It's in the way things hit me. It's, it's there'll be this little sparkling of, of different sensations. Mm-hmm. And coordinating, coordinating that with something that, as coarse as observing, and then the pressure of there's, well, I've got to have, have something to say at the end of the sentence, and I wait until the end of the, you know, um, I'm aware of and see what I'm aware of. And just that action limits what I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. And there's a coarseness to the whole thing because I'm talking. Yes. So that it seems like a very ponderous task (laughs) compared to the way, you know, if you're sitting, if I'm sitting, how I experience sitting. So a couple pieces about that. One is that um, you're right; it is a course exercise. Um, you know, it is it is primarily designed to get uh, to get people familiar with just what it means to even be paying attention to that flow of experience. Um, it also can serve as a good reminder or. Um, check-in because sometimes when we move to that place where things are more pointillistic and you know much more um, delicate and subtle we can easily delude ourselves into thinking we're really mindful when we're not actually so mindful and we've moved into a place of kind of more or less mindful and so in that kind of a, a space one thing that you can use as a variation on this is to just like say you know, not use the whole now I'm aware of, but as I mentioned last night, you can just drop that part and just use a note. And instead of, um, you know, doing it so frequently, just like every, every two or three seconds, name something that you're clearly aware of. Just, um, just so that you are clear that you're actually connecting with your experience. Because it, it's easy to move from that place of just taking things in like music to not really being clearly connecting. So it's, it, you're right, it is a course exercise and it will kind of take you to a different level of attention. 
Um, now, in terms of it limiting what you are aware of, that I think might. And my experience is that when I'm saying now I'm aware of, there's th- that that kind of more pointillistic experience happens. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, I'm aware of a bunch of different things when that's going on, when I'm saying that. And then it's like, okay, here's the time to speak. And it's like, okay, what of the, <laughs> the things that are going on do I really connect with? And sometimes it's not connecting with a particular sense object, but it's just connecting with the knowing. Can you talk a little bit about the knowing? Hmm. So, this is, it's a little, it's a little hard to talk about in a way, but it's, it's an important topic. Um, Every experience that we have, Everything that we experience, whether it's sight, sound, smells, taste, touches, emotions, moods, thoughts, whatever, there is the thing that we are aware of the color, the pitch and tone, pressure, tension, vibration, thought, a feeling. And then there is the, the mind that knows that experience so every experience that we have this this is going to be a little dharma talk <laughs> i think i can see this coming <laughs> every, every experience that we have whether or not we are mindful has the thing and the knowing of it So both parts are present. And the mind the mind can know and and kind of understand either one of those with mindfulness. It's kind of like with with um, when the mindfulness is present we can have the kind of attention land more on the sight, the sound, the smell, the physical experience. Or it can also be aware or land on the knowing. It can be aware of the fact that it knows. The mind will do this, kind of naturally. Sometimes being aware of the object, sometimes being aware of the knowing. The awareness of the knowing is subtle. And um, the objects are much more obvious. And this is why we usually start our meditation with the objects. You know, it's like there's a sight. It appears, it disappears. There's a sound. The car comes, it goes. It's pretty obvious, the, the, the um, objects and the way they change. And so that's a place to begin our exploration. And as the mindfulness gets a little more continuous, which it does in that exercise, <laughs> you know, that, that you're kind of forcing yourself into a continuity of mindfulness with just, now I'm aware of, now I'm aware of, now I'm aware of. 
as the mindfulness gets more continuous, the mind can start to pick up and discern the the more subtle aspect of knowing the experience. And it it isn't something, you know, it's not something you, you, I mean, when you get familiar with it, you can kind of choose to move to that place but initially it's it, it at least in my experience initially it's kind of more just recognizing beginning to recognize when the mind is paying attention to the thing the hardness the weight the coolness the pressure and when it's paying attention to the knowing and just getting familiar with the fact that the, the, the that there are those two things if you don't have a sense of the knowing you can't find it. It's really hard to find. I mean, it's like you're looking for something that um, is nearly invisible. So it's really hard to, to, to say, oh, well, here's how you look at the knowing. It's, 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 it's a thing we each have to learn for ourselves. You know, it's a kind of little, little flip or a little flip in the mind that, that um, allows us to experience that. One way that... Um, Sayadaw Utejaniya describes kind of being aware of the mind and the knowing in a way, or one avenue to that exploration. Is it's, it's almost experienced uh, inferentially because the only way we know something, the only way we experience the knowing is through knowing something. So it's kind, of, it's kind of like, you know, looking at the world and you're wearing glasses. So this is Utejaniya's description. You know, you're looking at the world and you're wearing glasses. And the way that you, the, the whole way that you can see the world clearly, those of you who wear glasses understand this, is because you're wearing the glasses. But usually we're not aware of the glasses. You know, they're, they're kind of, they're invisible to us. But you can kind of know, I mean, from kind of taking them off and putting them on, what the difference is and get a sense of the glasses themselves. And that uh, begins to give you a sense of, you know, so now looking through my glasses, I can kind of be aware, not so much of the things, but of the fact that I'm looking through something. Um... So that's, that's kind of a way to, de- to describe it. The whole way we know the world, you know, we know the, the color, the form, the coolness, the heaviness, is through this faculty of consciousness, of knowing, combined with perception and you know, some other mental faculties. So that knowing, you know, it's, it's, when I talk about knowing generally, I, I'm mostly, I think, talking about the way the mind meets the world, which is a combination of three factors, which is knowing, perceiving, and feeling. You know, kind of those three pieces come together to just meet, meet the world. And so there's that knowing aspect. Um, and we can actually kind of look at that or, or experience that as an object so that then we are knowing the knowing. So we become aware of awareness. Now, at first, you know, kind of easy ways or kind of 
ways to begin to explore it is just, do you know you're aware right now? Do you know you're aware? Okay, yes, we all know that. How do we know it is another question. It kind of feels a little mysterious. How do I know that I'm aware? Don't try to answer that question yet. Just know that you are aware. Just know that. Oh, okay. I know that I'm aware. And what am I aware of? So begin to make that distinction. So am I aware? What am I aware of? You know, sometimes when we um, are having trouble with mindfulness, we feel like, oh, I can't be mindful. You know, if you are saying that sentence to yourself, you are already actually mindful. It's just that the mind is confused about what it is paying attention to. So in that question of, I can't be mindful, ask yourself, am I aware? Well, yeah, okay. What am I aware of? I have no idea what I'm aware of. That's where the the confusion comes in. And that's where the... um, um, the feeling that you can't be mindful comes in because it's, it's harder to just be aware of the fact that you're aware without having a clear, okay, yep, I'm, I'm attending to that thing. So if you can ask yourself, am I aware? And even if you don't know what you're aware of, that's okay. You know, just like over time, it, when I find that happening, like um, the other day I was, I can't even remember, maybe I was taking a walk and, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I knew I was aware, but it was not at all clear to me. There was, a, there was some kind of stress and suffering going on. It's like, it was not at all clear to me what it was that I was re- reacting to. It's like, okay, well, I know I'm aware. So just hang out with that, knowing that I'm aware. And at some point it became clear what actually the mind was paying attention to. And it was paying attention to the fact that it didn't want to be doing what I was doing. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay, well, not wanting is present. And then it's like, then it gets easier to be, um, to, to kind of meet the experience. So that question, am I aware, is a, is a kind of a pointer to uh, that knowing. Even if it's not clear to you how you know that you're aware, just that fact that you know that you're aware is enough as a place to begin uh, in terms of connecting with that knowing. Another thing to check into is, um, and this begins again to point back to the mind and how we're paying attention, is, you know, in the observing, so there's the thing that we're knowing, the carpet, the spot on the carpet. And then there may be a reactivity or something in the mind of how we're observing that. You know, maybe like somebody should clean that spot up. You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an opinion or a view or a thought or a belief around how I'm looking at that spot. It's not simply color and form. There's a, there's a kind of a, a thread of commentary going on around that. Um, and so the, the one, another exploration is around, okay, am I aware? What am I aware of? And how am I aware of that thing? Is there, is there a, an attitude or a relationship with that thing? So just kind of checking into that begins to point us back to the knowing. Often that knowing isn't clear. It's not just looking through clear 
pre- pre- good prescription glasses. It's got, you know, some color lens on it that we're looking through. And, um, but we can begin to see, oh, okay, I'm looking through a lens of, 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 of aversion. Or I'm looking through a lens of, of desire, of wanting. And that begins to point us back to how we're looking. So that, that kind of looking through. What, it, what is the mind we're looking through as we're observing something? And so that, that again, that begins to point us back to the knowing also because as we strip away those layers of delusion, of aversion, of greed from the way we are observing, we come back to just that pure knowing and just the way the mind meets experience. And so it kind of begins to point us back to that also. If you're in a state of uh, deep concentration where you have a feeling, a feeling comes over you that uh, has, a, has an energy that's indescribable, um, I, took it to, I take it to be pure knowing. You know that something is happening, but you can't describe it. There are mm-hmm. no words for mm-hmm. it. Well, there, there is something happening that is the the I mean a feeling of some sort you know it could be uh, a subtle kind of joy or rapture and then there is the knowing of that um, so there's there's there is that that knowing and the fact that you know that something is happening you know, there's been a shift you've noticed a shift you've noticed a change so something your mind is aware of something you may not know what that is you know you may not have a word for it yeah. and that's fine. So you can just know, okay, I know, I, I, I'm knowing. I'm knowing something. Um, and at, over time, the mind will begin to, um, you know, with these, these kind of in meditation, we end up with all kinds of different experiences, a lot of which that we're not so familiar with the first few times we move into them. And so, you know, just, just um, over time, we get a little more familiar with the experiences and begin to like, okay, well, that's that experience. You know, maybe we don't have a name for it, but that's like, that's experience one, and, and that's experience two. <laughs> I, I think of it as a force like gravity, actually, where you may not know a lot about it, um, but you know it when it happens. That's a that's a that's a good analogy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's like an invisible force in a way, and it is. Um, it is known through its effect on objects. You know, you, you know it through the way it acts. You can't really, you know, touch it so much, but you can, you can see it. Um, yeah, and you can feel it. And you can't take it off like glasses. Yes, you cannot take it off like glasses. The, the, um, but the, the, the thing about the, um, the glasses analogy I was saying like this, you know, that, that you can kind of learn about the, um, what the clarity of the mind, of the, the seeing is. Learn about the glasses by taking them off. The, the, the analogy there has to do with looking at the lenses. So looking at the, you know, the, the aversion that's clouding the mind and getting familiar with what it's like when aversion clouds the mind versus not, not. So there you begin to see, 
Okay, what's the difference in the, in the, the mind? We begin to get familiar with it, what it feels like to pay attention through these lenses. And then at times we notice, oh, there's not one of those lenses there. And what's that like? Clarity. Brightness. Yeah. And, um, are you done? Yeah. Okay. Pass the mic to Betsy. I haven't come to the um, week-long sandwich retreat um, in a week that was has been as full of activity and um, course effort on my part in the in the world out there um, before, and so it allowed it has allowed me to see how much efforting I have also brought to my practice this week. And so yesterday, yesterday night. Um, I was intrigued by Maureen's word about coarseness and the effort, but you offered something that liberated me from that. You used the word receiving, and that um, allowed me to see the difference between the efforting that I was bringing to the to the to the practice to the actual mindfulness out loud practice and the waiting to see what are, would arise, and, and the receiving. Um, because to me, receiving, there's an act of gratitude implicit in the word receiving. Um, maybe that's my add-on, but that's what I heard, which allowed for much more openness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the coarseness that I was bringing to the mindfulness out loud all the way up until last night got lighter. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that, I mean, essentially, I think what you're pointing to, and you directly said, is around the efforting. Completely. Yeah, and, um, you know, the, in that exercise saying, now I'm aware of, that is effort. I mean, that is kind of the, you know, the, that is the, the making of the effort. And then you sit back and say, okay, and what is there in that, in that space? And there were, a, you know, probably a hundred little efforting decisions that I needed to make to get me here today. Um, so when I sat down, I was quite... Um, there was effort in my meditation. And as I started to go, all right, it's all right, we'll just work with um, a very subtle version of mindfulness out loud. And the body let go of the effort first, and then the body became this vessel for this mind that was looking... To, where can I make some effort here? And then the mind start to split. So it, I mean, so that the mind, my mind at this moment, um, started to. Diff- some of it started to identify with the body, and let go of the rest of the mind that was still looking, searching, for something for to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting to, to to begin that exploration, you know, around. What is it that we're, you know, what is that activity of the doing? I mean, another a whole talk I could give, another whole talk ar- around um, the mindfulness piece, because I didn't quite get to that piece in terms of the knowing. You know, there's the, there's the, uh, the, the object and the knowing, which happens in every mind moment, whether or not we are mindful. And then there's the mindfulness, which right. comes in. Right. And that, 
there's, there's kind of two forms of that, and this brings in the efforting piece. There is the kind of mindfulness that just arises spontaneously without any uh, prompting whatsoever. And this is the moment when we remember that we've forgotten. We remember, we remember about mindfulness. That moment is unprompted. It is just happening. It is happening out of causes and conditions. You didn't do it. It's not self. It is obvious, um, effortless, effortless kind of mindfulness. And then from that place, when we are mindful, we can begin to choose mindfulness. We can then make the effort to remain mindful. That's all that we can do. We cannot make mindfulness happen. We can only make the effort to remain mindful once we are already mindful. And that's why, that's why um, that moment of remembering is so important. You know, it's, where the, it's where the practice begins again. <laughs> so, um, but then often we mistake the, that efforting to be the practice, you know, that, that, that prompting of mindfulness. And it is part of the practice. It is... Um, an aspect of the practice that if we didn't make that effort the habits and patterns would take over the habits and patterns of delusion would take over and sweep us back into our our mindless patterns Um, so we do have to make that effort but we often um, because we are such doers I think we we um, confuse that doing with the meditation and we, we lose track of the fact that at some point the mindfulness kind of gains its own momentum and we can let go of pushing so hard. So, um, And the key to that for me was the word receiving. Uh-huh. Because I could feel it in almost every muscle group knows what to do when I hear the word receiving. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so yeah, that, that kind of settling back and receiving. And there is a kind of... Um, it's really important to learn how to receive experience as opposed to choosing what to pay attention to. That's a lot of what I was emphasizing last night. Um, and it's also important to have the mind be flexible to be able to do either one. So some of us have more facility with directing attention and holding on to an object and get really confused when we try to open up and receive experience. Except last night I thought that you were marrying the two. <laughs> In a way. I mean, because that... That's the, how I interpret Yeah, that, that... Well, I mean, it was, I was encouraging you to bring attention to the present moment but not necessarily to uh, choose something to pay attention to. So that's the receiving part. And other people, some people are more um, able to just settle back and receive and have a lot of trouble if they have to turn their attention to something to stay kind of relaxed and balanced around that. As soon as turning the attention to, say, the breath, it's like... (laughs) You know, the mind gets really tight and contracted and it's like, do that, stay there, stay there. 
And it, you know, the mind gets kind of unbalanced around that. So some people can be really balanced around just being with one thing. It's, you know, the mind gets, oh, that feels so good. You know, it can just stay there. The mind can relax. And, and just it just is a natural kind of settling into concentration. And other people are have a different mind. And so we, we have to learn what the way I usually suggest people work with this is to kind of start where they are. You know, start with what's easiest and then try to branch out from there. Um, and this kind of exercise gives you a little structure around the receiving so that you can begin to experience that if you're not familiar with it. Well, thank you, Betsy. So uh, since we're on the subject of doing, and doing is one of my favorite things to do, um, <clears throat> my uh, my practice or my the uh, thing that I'm supposed to do during the day is uh, I'm, I'm trying and failing once again to pay attention to changes in posture. And um, what I notice about that, actually, what I've been noticing in my practice in general, is. The the reason this appears to be difficult for me is that my mind really does like to do things. It actually kind of craves doing things. And so when changing in posture is really um, tightly bound up with with a really complicated string of doing things, mm-hmm. that by the time by the time I get around to changing posture. There's been a lot of momentum in my intention to go and do something else. Yes. And the, the change in posture gets completely lost. Yeah. And so I'm really bad at it. So <laughs> I just thought I'd say that. So, but a, but a question. I mean, actually, this, this, this uh, makes me realize kind of a connection between, you know, the now I'm aware of and this task. You know, basically, partly with the task, it is kind of, it's kind of a structure to help you see if you can notice a little more mindfulness throughout the day, whether or not you actually remember the task itself. You know, it's kind of like that, you know, that prompting to just help keep you checking in. Has, it, has there been a, a, a kind of a sense that, I mean, even if you're not exactly landing on the posture, are you remembering a little bit more in the day, or, or I mean, I know that you're generally pretty mindful in the day, but um. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like that seems to changing posture seems to be the thing I can least be mindful of. Uh-huh. It's interesting. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I do know why because because it is. It's changing the posture is a tool to do something else. Right. And so by the time I get to the doing something else, then I can come back and be mindful of doing that. But, but that transition is hard for me because, because the mind is already several steps ahead, getting ready to, to, to do a different task. So the, the yeah, um, um, there's a way to... It, it, there's kind of a, something else that can be helpful in um, in daily life practice. I might have said this on Sunday. I don't remember. Is kind of a, a split, a fifty-fifty. 
kind of sense. It's a 50% of the attention on what you're doing and 50% of the attention on the mind that's doing it or the, the mindfulness. And so it sounds like in that stream of activity, uh, there's, something, there's something that catches you such that you lose mindfulness in that stream. And, and there, you know, is there a place where you lose that mindfulness? I mean, are you kind of generally mindful? And where is it that you lose that mindfulness? That might be an interesting exploration for you. Um, where does that momentum carry you such that you lose the, the um, noticing of the changing of posture? So that, that might be a way in for you to, to explore it. Because, you, you know, you may be kind of generally mindful as you're doing something, and then you think, oh, I need to do this other thing. And that may be the pull. You know, that may be it. It's like the mind then con- constructs the whole plan of how to do that thing. And yeah, I we, think that's what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So, so see if you can notice that. The other piece about the prompted and unprompted mindfulness is that when you are mindful, you actually have the ability... And it's, it's a little subtle at times, but it is, it is uh, possible. You know, when you're mindful, you have the ability to notice the mind kind of losing touch with that mindfulness. So that, that sense of, you know, you're paying attention to something, and then, so, you know, whatever, you're working on something, and you're kind of mindful of the, the screen, the, the, the computer screen, or, you know, the, the story, or whatever you're, you're doing. And... Um, and so you're aware of that and you're mindful. And then the thought arises, need to do this other thing. And you can begin to feel the mindfulness kind of losing touch with the thing it had been paying attention to and getting pulled. If you can get familiar with that feeling, you can then kind of allow the mindfulness to follow the thread there. And it's not that you have to bring the attention back to the other thing but to just kind of like, oh, oh, here's where the mind is going. Oh, can I let the mindfulness go with it? Um, and, and not necessarily think that, okay, you know, there's, okay, there's this plan that I need to do, there's things, things I need to do. Can, can you be mindful of that kind of plan being created? And then perhaps mindful of the, oh, and here's the intention to move. Um, so that, that's something you could explore a little bit. What is the difference between mindfulness and awareness? So, you know, I usually use the term synonymously. Um, There are times that I slip. I try not to do this, but there are times that I slip and I use awareness to mean the knowing, which is what happens all the time. Um, I'm trying to get clearer in that, uh, but generally, when I say awareness, I'm meaning the mindfulness. But it also is the mindfulness, like um, you know, the, the awareness. Another way that I think awareness is sometimes used is um, the whole complex of how the mind is paying attention. You know, including the the states of mind that are infusing that awareness. Because I feel like I'm aware a lot of the time during my day, but knowing that or recognizing that I know that I'm aware is rarer. Uh huh. 
So what do you mean when you say you're aware on a lot of the day, but not recognizing it? I'm not lost in my thinking, or I'm generally in touch with what's happening. Uh Other than when I'm really writing something or, you know, doing a a work that requires concentration. Uh uh But other than that, I am pretty... Uh, present. Yeah, okay. Uh, but you're not consciously knowing. Right. I'm aware. I'm aware. Right. Um, you know, I think that's that's fine. Um, I know I know what you're talking about. Um, it's a kind of a it's an in-between place. It's it's like it's not sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also not um, you know, being pulled into greed, aversion, and delusion. It's kind of like it's kind of like a resting place. And from that place, at least in my experience, when suffering begins or some greed, aversion, the mindfulness is right there. It's like, oh, pay attention. <laughs> you know, so so it's kind of it's kind of almost a. You know, so it's it's okay because there's a, there's strong enough awareness that it's going to catch if greed, aversion, or delusion is is. Um, Taking hold, so that's that's actually a, a very good description of of um, kind of a kind of a resting place in a way of the mind. So should I make a bigger effort to be mindful or to bring in the knowing? You know, you you could from time to time. Um, the, the way I work with it is more just, rec- again, recognizing when it becomes clear. You know, really highlighting for myself, oh yeah, I'm aware. You know, that, that, that I don't, I, in my daily life, I don't make a lot of that conscious do this, do this, do this at this point. It's, it's very much more just resting in that place that you describe, knowing when suffering arises and recognizing the moment when... Uh, I clearly recognize the mindfulness, and that actually happens a lot. It happens; it's it's not rare. So, um, it, it 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 you might play more with highlighting that moment for yourself of when the mind kind of just for a, a split second knows that it knows. They don't feel that different, though. When I come into that split-second moment of knowing. Because yesterday you talked about um, highlighting that moment, and I've been doing that. I can't really see that difference between, I don't know. Keep exploring. Just, But don't put a heavy uh, doing around <laughs> it. Just keep keep exploring that moment when you remember. It's like, oh, okay, I'm, I know. I know that I know. It's a subtle thing. Okay. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> Just keep 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 noticing it. Just keep noticing it as you notice it. Anybody working or thinking or looking at areas around the speech side of things?
I had a mindfulness of speech success <laughs> yesterday. Like, really. Um, I'm in a sort of situation where there's a lot of tension and, and people are getting a little snide. And I got what I perceived as a snide email asking something. And I had a, an emotional reaction to it, sort of offense and hurt and like, oh. And then I thought about it and I wrote a skillful reply and sort of questioned what they were asking without being snide in return. And um, it was just it was just clear and I, I might have sounded a little innocent for not you know, playing in that repartee. But I returned the email, and then I got a nice, innocent email in return. <laughs> and it, wa- it worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You know, email is really a, a, a big piece of our communication. So it's, and it, it gives us a, a really good time to pause. I mean... We don't have to answer our emails immediately. I think somebody at one point in one of these daily life practice meetings mentioned that they realized when they received an email that the person on the other end had no idea when they read it. And so they could take as long as they wanted to to think about how to respond. You know, that, that you don't have to just fire something off. You can take that, really take that opportunity to pause when you get an email and really reflect on, okay, how am I responding? Which you did, and, you know, and to be more constructive and more skillful in response. So it's a great, it's a great um, uh, practice ground for skillful communication, our email. And then maybe we can begin to carry that into our speech some, too. <laughs> this skillful speech theme has been um, well-timed for me, and it's been a bit like having a coach <laughs> because there's this little reminder of, oh, I'm participating in this thing and I'm focusing on this and my life is presenting me with things, with opportunities to, to, to speak not mindfully. So it, it really is great. It's like maybe, maybe some, there should be a new job description where there's somebody that's like, okay, you know. Mindful coach. Control yourself. Coach. <laughs> <laughs> there are people out there that coach. <laughs> Thank you, Maureen. So thank you. Thank you, Maureen. I don't think I've necessarily had a positive skillful communication, but I've been using the pausing thing. I... Uh, found myself in a situation where a white lie would have been a very convenient thing to do, but I didn't, because uh, it was actually right after we'd talked about deceit, and so I, I you know, said yes, and which was the truthful answer. And the other person looked so shocked and hurt that I was, I found myself thinking, so I just asked for some time. But, you know, that's a week ago, and I'm still struggling. No, it was Monday, and this is Thursday. But I find um, what you just said about the email very helpful because I, and I haven't quite 
determine the most skillful way of dealing with the subject. But this taking time is very helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just letting it sit for a while. Try out some alternative scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. Think of what's the right way to communicate a message that's somewhat um, unpleasant to the other party. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, the, the, um, it is challenging because we, we do have to, you know, we can't always speak in a way that the other person is going to like. Yeah. And, you know, we, we so don't want to do that. Yeah, that's one of the <laughs> problems I'm experiencing is how much I, I'm resisting the unpleasantness that this person's going to feel. Yeah. Yeah. And connecting with, I think I mentioned this before, really connecting with the fact that it is going to be hard for them. You know, not creating a division around that. Yeah. Allows a little more compassion and care to come in the communication. You know, it's like, I realize this is hard and painful for you. I'm sorry about that. And this is what I have to tell you. You know, that... Um, yeah. So you know the the the, ca- the compassion and care I think goes a long way um, to supporting the other person to be able to hear. Mm-hmm. So the thank you. That's that's helpful. Yeah. Um, I had a very similar, and uh, this was uh, an email I had to send, and. Um, uh, I, I, I wrote it, and I realized I was describing a situation harshly, and but truthfully, it's a painful situation, and I, 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 it was so helpful because I said I'm sorry for the harsh words, but fate has, you know, this is a harsh situation, and then exactly what you said, I, I said, you know, sometimes. There's a closeness that can come out of having to face a harsh, you know. It, yeah. it was, it, yeah. it was hard for hard for me to um, say these things. And, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and it was wonderful. So yeah. anyway, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, sometimes when I'm writing an email that I think is going to be difficult, I mean, I do a couple things. You know, if it's a, if it's if it's a really important email. Um, you know, I will write it and then go away from it and come back and, you know, and I look at the words, you know, I look at the individual words and feel, it's kind of like I feel, and how's that word feel to me? Is there another word that might feel a little um, more caring, you know? Um, and and so I will I will read read through something many times, <laughs> many, many times, and we'll make subtle shifts to the words. And then if it's a really important communication, I'll ask somebody else to read the message that I feel close to and say, you know, how would you receive this? Is this okay? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, 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 the email practice can be really helpful. Yeah, thank you. I've noticed um, something that I find kind of interesting, which is that I'm having, you know, um, I'm not sure what 
is it John? I'm not sure your name. John. I share a lot of, you know, what you guys were sharing about the remembering. My task is um, to remember before I sit down. And I'm mostly remembering after I sit down um, or sometimes well before. And then I notice my mind (laughs) will kind of do a little mini movie. And I'll imagine that I remembered when I was sitting down, because there's enough awareness that I can remember what I did when I went to go sit down, but then it's like delusion, you know? It's like I'm pretending like <laughs> I, I was aware when I sat down, and I'm going, you know, <laughs> it's okay. That's great that you're seeing that, though. I mean, that's, Isn't a pretty, it that's, a pretty subtle, that's a pretty subtle little thing that you Oh, my God. <laughs> and then another really funny thing is that I was, I really, last time and this time both, I was like, I am not picking brushing my teeth. I really don't like to do, like, it's just not something I like to stay aware of. And so (laughs) I find myself being really aware when I'm brushing my teeth. (laughs) And and then the other thing is just that... um, so today I was doing my sitting meditation and realizing I, I didn't wasn't aware when I sat down and this morning. And then I thought, well, okay, I'll be aware when I get up, you know. But the whole thing of you saying it's almost like it's a, it's almost like it's a backdrop to help um, a relief to sort of help me notice. That's right. And 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 so I decided, okay, I'm just all these rememberings that I'm having because I feel like it's pretty consistent that I remember at some point. I'll just use it to help me in this moment. <laughs> That's the point. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it the, it's, not a, it's not so much about the thing itself. It is more about just remembering. I mean, I, there was a, a smaller version of this retreat that I did at one point, and, and somebody was struggling with the being mindful. And I said, well, go back to the task. And and the next day he reported, well, I'm not remembering the task, but the mindfulness is much stronger. You know, it's just just something about having a little bit of intentionality around it really supports the mindfulness in general, and that's the whole point. Yeah, I I really do think that it's that that I I think what was helpful for me this morning when you were talking to John was the trying to let your mindfulness follow. Your action, because I feel like whenever I'm sitting, resting, listening, if I'm doing eating, whatever, I feel like I can feel, you know, I'm very aware and aware of being aware, but it's that doing, you know, it's like the moving in. Once I've made the decision, you know, the impulse has taken over to, to start action, I, I don't follow it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's it's a hard one to learn, but it's possible. I mean, because we have it's a strong habit to follow that and move into that place where the mind creates a world, you know, and we get we we are living in that world around what is going to be happening, and it's it's a planning. It's it's actually a very um, valuable tool that our minds have to create that scenario and then operate in that it's like creating a world and then being able to move in that world so that's a way we can plan but it is possible to be aware of that but we we have such a strong habit of getting lost in that that it's hard for the mindfulness to follow that so but it but it can be done so if you can kind of just have that sense of the 
you know, the mind follow. And it, to me, that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like the mind's going over here, and it's like, oh, Kel, let's let the mindfulness go with it. <laughs> and there's another, another, you made me think of another piece around this, and, and this is very much also connected with what I was talking to Yosh about, is the sense of just hanging out in the space of um, kind of awareness and then noticing when suffering arises. And often when that happens... Our habit is to pounce down on the suffering. It's like, oh. and if we've learned enough about mindfulness, we've, we've gotten to the place of like, okay, yes, I know that I need to be mindful of this. We turn our attention to it. We kind of you know, look at it from all these different sides. Um, and we you know, ob- observe it. There's a way that that's a little bit of clinging. Um, and something that I've discovered in my own experience is that when I'm noticing that kind of suffering arising, you know, if I'm noticing it arising, you know, so this is the, the point where you're noticing the mind, the mindfulness is noticing the mind getting ready to do something and kind of move into a pattern of aversion or, or wanting. And um, you know, it's kind of like seeing that begin, seeing that form. Rather than going, oh, that's forming, poop, See if the mindfulness can kind of connect to the rising energy of that thing forming and just watch what the mind does with it. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of, there's, there can be a strong energy as that pattern begins, that kind of, either a kind of a plan, whether it's a plan for doing it, there's kind of a, there's a, there's a kind of a rise of energy that's associated with that. And the mindfulness can, at least the way I feel it, is kind of the mindfulness kind of can join on to that rise of energy and get energized by that rise of energy. Kind of like leaping onto the back of a wild horse. You know, just... And then the mindfulness somehow has the ability to stay, to connect with it, to ride. So it's learning how to ride that wild horse and not necessarily trying to make it a trot or a walk with that horse. It's like, no, you know, just follow that energy. So it's, it's, a, it's again, it's kind of allowing the mindfulness to connect with what's already happening. Um, and, and, uh, and for me, the more I practice this, the more it feels just like this, it's kind of a geyser, you know, it's like, poo, the geyser goes off for a moment and then the mindfulness goes up with it and then it just like, it stops. <laughs> so, um, I don't have to actually try to, to kind of bring that thing into focus and really look at it. It's just kind of connecting with that energy of the, of the rising of that pattern. I, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but um, yeah. It seems like if you uh, grab onto it when it happens, you well, actually let's say not grab, but well, if you <laughs> if you to. no no, I'm talking about the opposite. Oh, if, I see. If okay. you do this, I see. Right. Uh-huh. Um, it amplifies the experience, or it's, there's something about it that's like the reification of experience. Yes. And this week, I've noticed that there doesn't seem to be any need to do that. Yes. Um, and. It, suddenly it's it's dawned on me that there aren't 
somehow I had had the concept before that there were big experiences in life, and it's not feeling that way this week. It's feeling like something, you know, there's things occurring and falling away, and if I don't go, oh my God, it's a, then it just it comes through. It yeah. flows yes. through. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's 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 kind of what I'm talking about. Yep. Yep. And sometimes those flow-throughs can feel pretty energetic. I mean, <laughs> there's a big wave going there. It's like, it's like, and at times there's. I I, I tell this story. Uh, at times, some sometimes, even a whole some positive experiences can have that quality. It's like they can feel overwhelming, like a, a massive arising of joy. It's like, whoa! I can't deal with this. <laughs> you know? And. Um, but but they're impermanent, you know. So just allowing the wave of aversion, allowing the wave of joy, allowing all of these waves to just come through us. Sometimes they're really strong, but if you allow them, they tend to kind of crest and then move through um, more naturally. Yeah, it's kind of like that energy of whatever it is, whether it's aversion, a strong aversion arising. That energy's kind of got its momentum. And we can't really stop that momentum, but we can meet it. And actually what it feels like to me is that the mindfulness actually can um, use the energy of that thing to strengthen. If, if, you, if you are not averse. <laughs> hmm? If you're not averse if you're not averse to that energy, if you, can just, if you can just meet that energy without aversion, then it strengthens the mindfulness. Strength, I see. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's time to stop. Thank you.